Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I welcome you back to uh, Season 6 of Weathering the Storm. We are now Weathering the Storm with Nehemiah. I hope and pray that you were able to listen to Episode 1 because we laid down some of the groundwork, the foundation for this season. And I hope and pray that you will read and study the book of Nehemiah, not just in our time together, but in your own personal study time, and that you'll think about those things that you read and apply those things to your lives. Now, if you do have your Bibles with you, if you're in a place where you can open them, I'd like to invite you to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to focus on chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And after reading this, we're going to look at the problem that Nehemiah faced. Because really, in connection with the title of this this podcast, here's the storm. You know, he could see see it on the horizon, but here's when the storm clouds really come right above his head, and he knows what is happening. And so we're going to dive into that here in just a moment. As always, want to say a word of gratitude to Scattered Broad Network. So very thankful to be on this network and, and to be able to have this podcast in particular uh, alongside the other podcasts. And if you have not already, we ask that you will please subscribe to our master feed, uh, that you will give us any feedback that you may have. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at thescatterbroadnetwork at gmail.com. Visit our website, scatterbroad.org. You can contact us as podcast host. Anything that that may come to your mind and suggestions or questions, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can find our Facebook page. You can find us on Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And so we're striving to use as many platforms as possible to glorify God and to reach others with the gospel. So again, I thank you so much for listening to this podcast in particular, but certainly encourage you to go and listen to the other podcasts on the network as well. Again, we are studying the life of Nehemiah. We're talking about how he was able to weather the storm. And so again, in this episode, we want to describe and, and point out what the storm was. So again, if you have your Bible, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, came to pass in the month of Chislev in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. In our next episode, episode 3, we're going to dive into that prayer that he offers because it is worthy of our time and of our study. As he works through the rest of chapter 1, really, as we work through the rest of chapter 1, We'll notice the contents of that prayer, but this episode is laying that foundation for the prayer itself. Why is he praying such an earnest prayer? Why is he saying these things to God? And here is the painful problem that he faced. Here is the storm. Now, you notice there in verse 2 that he was concerned. He wanted to know about the Jews who had escaped, all right, who escaped, who didn't escape. He wanted to know who had survived the captivity, because again, you're looking at 70 years of captivity. 
There's a lot of people that went into captivity that never came back out. There were those who were not going to come back home. And so Nehemiah is concerned with that. But then also concerning Jerusalem, concerning Jerusalem as a whole. You know, what's, what's the status of Jerusalem? That's his question. Now, you notice what they said. The survivors who are left from captivity, they're, they're surviving, but they are in great distress and reproach. So, yes, they're not in captivity anymore. They've come back home, but there's still great restri- distress and there's great reproach that they're facing. And then ultimately, here's the issue that the rest of the book goes back to this, really. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When Nehemiah heard of this problem, we focus on verse 4. I want you to notice his body language. I want you to notice his genuine concern for what's happening in Jerusalem. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. That is significant. It hurt him so bad that he had to sit down and cry. I don't know about you, but I know there's been times in my life when I've had to do that. Um, sure, you can you know, let out tears as you drive down the road thinking about something. Or maybe as you're laying in bed and something bothers you and you cry, or at the hospital bed. But think about a time, a storm that you face when you've just had to, to sit down because by doing that, you're having to put a pause on everything else. And to be honest with you, that's something very difficult for me to do. Uh, when I have a lot of different things going on, my mindset a lot of times, let's just keep going, keep moving. But there are times when you've just got to sit down and stop. Psalm 46 reminds us of that, doesn't it? And God is a refuge of strength, very present help to those in trouble. And verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need to literally, physically be still and sit down and let everything come together. And that's what Nehemiah does. He hears, he hears this word about what's going on, and he sits down, and he weeps. The word for wept here in the Hebrew means to cry freely and profusely from sadness or distress. So these, he's not whimpering. Now we might think about Peter. When he denied the Lord three times, he wept bitterly. We talked about that in last season. He was crying crocodile tears. He is, he is in anguish. And that's the word picture here with Nehemiah. He is genuinely hurt and, and deeply concerned for the status of the city of Jerusalem, but also the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He heard these words, he sat down and he wept. And then it says that he mourned for many days. That word mourn in the Hebrew means to express sadness through vocalizations. You, you picture him possibly as you would picture Job. Job who mourned sackcloth and ashes. The, the picture of Job as he's losing his family members, losing his health, and he mourns, he cries out in distress. Very similar to what we're reading here with Nehemiah. So he's weeping, he's mourning. But then notice it says he was fasting. Of course, fasting means to abstain for religious reasons. It could be abstain from food. Uh, it could be abstain from, and we put it in today's application, abstain from technology. I read across a post just this morning of a good brother who said, 
Uh, you know, I'm going to keep my, my Facebook and Instagram, but I'm, I'm going to stop using it as much. You can contact me through Messenger, but I'm not going to be on it. And I have a great respect for that because maybe he's spending too much time scrolling or maybe he's getting involved in disputes on Facebook that are, that are not very profitable. But that would be an idea of fasting. That would be a form of it. It's not necessarily just food. It's abstaining from anything that's going to help you to grow closer to God. Uh, the way I describe fasting is you put aside something physical to focus on something spiritual. Um, and so when you replace it, it's not that you're just not doing it. Uh, for example, if I said, I'm going to fast this morning, I'm not going to eat breakfast this morning. Well, it's one thing not to eat it, but it's another thing that I need to fill that hole with something spiritual. So in that example, you know, if I eat a bowl of cereal in the morning, I say, I'm going to fast tomorrow morning. Instead of eating that bowl of cereal, I replace that by studying and reading five Psalms. So that's a very practical look at fasting. Here, it could have implied that Nehemiah didn't eat anything. It could have implied that he just didn't do anything of a physical nature that he would normally do because he wants to really clear his mind and, and focus on what's happening. So again, you look at the painful problem he faced. Here is the storm that Nehemiah is facing. He weeps, he fasts, and he mourns. But then don't miss that last phrase in verse 4. He prayed before the God of heaven. We've talked about this in, in previous seasons. This is where you've got to go. When, when you are facing a storm, regardless of the magnitude, regardless of the timing of it, when you are going through a storm, you've got to do what Nehemiah did. You turn to the God of heaven. Don't turn to the God of this world. Don't turn to drugs. Don't turn to sin. Don't, don't turn to um, sexual immorality. You know, don't turn to these things that are a, a band-aid for the problem, if I can put it that way. It's like a quick fix, but then whenever you get done with whatever that fix is, you still have the problem there. We sing the song, Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Nehemiah says, listen, here's my problem I'm facing, and it is striking me to the core, so I'm going to go to the God of heaven. All these other things that he did is, is showing his humility, is showing his genuine concern. But here we learn a valuable lesson from Nehemiah. When you hear news that brings you to your knees, when the doctor comes in and tells you something you were not expecting, if it's your spouse, if it's your child, if it's a coworker, a member of the congregation that you love deeply, and there's a painful problem, the very first thing that you ought to do is turn to God. Nehemiah did that, and it shows his leadership. It shows his heart. It shows that his humility. He says, okay, here's the problem. I know where I got to go first. Let me go to God. Again, in our next episode, we're going to dive into that prayer, but I want us to just spend a little bit of time thinking about the problem that he faced. And, and it was with his, his countrymen. It was with his nation. It was with... Jerusalem, it was with the spiritual status of those who were in Jerusalem. And brethren and friends, I want to speak freely. I can't help 
But look at the United States of America right now and the state of our society and not feel very similar to how Nehemiah feels right here. When you think of the things that are going on with the new rules that are being passed, the the different things that are happening from a moral standpoint, you know, when you have the, the drag queens, when you have men who are dressed up as women, women who are dressed up as men, and they're reading books to children. And what's so sad is, of course, the child is innocent. They, they, they don't know. But the parents ought to know better. And what the parents do is they take their two- and three-year-old children and expose them to this wickedness, filth. They expose them to it, and they want them to think it's okay. And these men dressed up as women and women dressed up as men will put on an absolute clown show, a circus. And the children are exposed to it, and the mothers and the fathers that are taking them are laughing right along with it. And it reminds me of Romans chapter 1. You know, they're, they're engaged in this, they approve of it, they're right there with them. And how sad it is to see these things unfolding in our world and in our society. The latest thing, the most recent thing, is what's happening at Target. And I read recently where they've lost billions of dollars, and rightfully so. Because if there's enough righteous people, enough godly moral people to stand up and say, okay, this is too much, this is too far, then we can make a difference. But, you know, this has been going on for a long time with, with the Pride Month and the, and the setup that there's, you find in Target. That should bother you. But then they just say, you know what, we've already got our foot in the door, we've already got it cracked open. Why not just allow somebody who designs shirt that says Satan respects pronouns, let's just have a a satanic section. That'd be fine. And let's, let's expose it to all the people that come in, including the children. You know, a few years ago when they allowed the, the, the bathroom dilemma, where a man can go into the woman's bathroom and a... A woman can go into a man's bathroom. Listen, that is not right. It's not right. Again, we go back to Romans chapter 1, the platform of evil. Men with men, which is unseemly. Women with women, it's against nature. This is not the way that God designed it. And friends, listen, this should bother us. If you are a godly person, a God-fearing moral person, living in the United States of America right now, you should be hurt. And it should bother you to see the state of our country and to think about those who are leading our country and allowing these things to happen. It should bother us. Nehemiah is is hurt to the core because of what's going on. He said the people are in distress. The walls are broken down. Look at the walls that were set up years ago in this country, the moral walls that have been torn down and burned. And so again, as, as, as God-fearing people, this should bother us. It should bother us when sin is running rampant the way it is. It should bother us when there are lost souls who are out in this world, out in this society. And so Nehemiah here is, is hearing this problem, specifically of his people being in great distress, great distress and reproach, hearing that the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, that the gates are burned with fire. It, it literally brought him to his knees because of this storm. And again, we make the connection 
the storm that's around us right now in our country, in our society, ought to put us in the same position. And we ought to go to the God of heaven and pray daily. Pray daily for His Word to have free course. Pray for the leaders of this country that they will open their eyes and seek the will of God and open up their Bibles and learn what He would have them to do instead of seeing what we see today. Our children being exposed to ungodliness and sin and wickedness everywhere they turn. It's an absolute shame. It's a crying shame. But again, it needs to bother us. It needs to hurt us. You can look at other examples in Scripture when people were hurt by ungodliness that's around them. People were hurt by the walls being torn down and burned down. Think about Jesus when he wept over Jerusalem. This was after that he he scolded them, and rightfully so. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Seven times at least in that context, when you find that phrase and you find the language in Matthew 23 where he is letting them know you're being hypocritical. But then what did Jesus do? He cried over them. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you to myself as a hen to her chicks, but you were not willing. That hurt Jesus to the core. In Romans chapter 9, you think about the Apostle Paul. You talk about somebody like Nehemiah who was concerned, who was concerned with the status of his people. In Romans chapter 9, we, we find a statement made by Paul that, that's really staggering when you think about it. Romans 9, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. What was his problem? What was the painful problem that Paul faced? Verse 3, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ from my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. The Israelites, they're not all Israel who are of Israel. There were those who would not submit to the righteousness of God, meaning they would not obey the gospel. They would not leave the old law. They would not leave all these traditions and things that they had. They would not come to Christ. And it pained Paul deeply. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. I bear them witness. They have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. They, being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They're doing their own thing. They're, they're having their own standard. And because of that, they're not submitting to God. And that hurt Paul. That hurt him. Of all the things that he went through, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, he said, That which comes on me daily is my care and concern for all the churches. One thing that we need to be impressed about with Nehemiah is that when he heard of the problem, it shook him to the core, and he was hurt, and he was worried by that, and he felt the pain. He felt the storm, and maybe that's what's hurting our country and our society right now. Not enough people are hurt by it. It's not bothering anybody. Well, it just is what it is. That's just the world in which we live. This, this is what's going on. Yeah, it is what's going on, but what can we do about it? Because we're the salt and the light. We've got to make sure that we're reflecting the light and love of Jesus to the world. And we've got to be that salt. We've got to be that preserving factor. We've got to stand up for what is right and oppose what is wrong. 
Love what God loves and hate what God hates. That needs to be our mentality. That's what the Bible teaches. In James chapter 4, you think about this language beginning there in verse 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9 says this, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. There needs to be a, a sense of humility. There needs to be a sense of dependability on God, because we're living in a very difficult, dark time right now with all that's happening. And that's the world. And, and we're not surprised that the world acts like the world. I understand that. But another painful problem when you consider this, as we make application of what Nehemiah faced, look at what's happening to the church today. Worldliness has made its way in, no problem. What about women leading in worship? That's not what the Bible teaches, according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and following. And yet, it's allowed. What about mechanical instruments in the worship service? When God says sing, Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16. There's adding to and taking away from the Word of God. That's resulting in sin. There's tolerance. There's extending fellowship where God doesn't say you can extend that fellowship. First John 1 John 1.7 and following. So many things that are going on that ought to bother us as godly people, as Christians. Nehemiah, as a great leader of God's people, as one who would, re, uh, would lead the charge to rebuild the walls, and he would be so successful because God was with him, this is where it all started. You may be facing a storm right now and you don't know where to start. May I suggest that we start where Nehemiah did. Humble yourself before the God of heaven. Be concerned. Be, be hurt over the things that are happening in our world around us, in our society. Weep, fast, and mourn. And then go to God in prayer. Ask for God to help you be a better example and be a better influence. Ask for God to help you make a difference in someone around you that can make a difference in your community and in the state, and in the country, and in the world. I heard an illustration. I want to close this episode with this today. Brother John D. Berry, a great gospel preacher, I was preaching at Lake City's Men's Day a few months ago, and I was privileged to be there with several men here from Quitman. And he was talking about being a light in a world of darkness. And he used an illustration that if you were packed full in a stadium, a football stadium, and nobody has any light. There's no street lights. There's no cell phone lights. There's no light, no exit light, nothing. Just total darkness. And one person stands on the 50-yard line and lights a match and holds it up. Everybody can see that light. You may be wondering, when, I, when you look at the country today, you look at society today, what can I possibly do to make a difference? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. You can make a difference by standing up for what is right. Again, if enough righteous people will stand up and oppose the wicked ungodliness that's going on in our world and our country, we can make a difference. Nehemiah 
is so hurt by what's happening in Jerusalem and what's happening to his, his, his brethren who are in distress. It brings him to his knees. He humbles himself and he faces the storm head on by going to God in prayer. Next week in our next episode, episode three, we're going to look at that prayer. And hopefully we can gain great strength and encouragement from this. And make no mistake, though it may not seem this way sometimes, God is in control. And in the final analysis, he will be victorious. And all those with him will be victorious as well. Let's make sure we're on the right side, on God's side. For if God be for us, who can be against us? I hope and pray that you will think about the things that we've talked about in this episode and that you'll be encouraged by it. And we think about the painful problem Nehemiah faced, the painful problems you face. Let's have the same mentality, the same expression, the same humble heart and disposition of Nehemiah. Be humbled by it, be hurt by it, but then go to God with it. I thank you for listening. May God richly bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.